Hello from sunny Austin, Texas, and welcome to the Healthcare Soothsayer podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bonnie Clipper, and yes, I'm a nurse. I have worked for more than 30 years as a nurse, chief nurse executive, innovation strategist, and speaker. I have taken the message of Nursing Innovation International and look forward to continuing this message to transform health. This podcast will bring you thought leaders and ideas that you may not have otherwise heard from. Enjoy the show. Our guest today is Dr. Lori Armstrong, CEO and Chief Clinical Officer at Inspire Nurse Leaders. She has been a nurse leader for over 25 years and is also a thought leader, consultant, coach, and keynote speaker. Lori, welcome to Healthcare Soothsayers. So glad to be here, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure, and I am so excited to be talking with you today. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've been up to and your work? Sure, sure. It's been a really interesting and exciting, exciting time. You know, as you said in my intro, I've been a nurse leader for a long time, over 25 years. And as I grew up in the healthcare hospital industry, and having the honor of being a chief nurse for many years, I just became passionate about that one-on-one leadership development because I knew early on the difference a leader, and in my particular expertise, nurse leader, knew their impact they could have on one nurse and then a team of nurse leaders and then thousands of nurses when you're a chief nurse. So I've just been spending full time for the past six months focusing on leadership development and what the future of nursing leadership looks like. Um, One-on-one coaching has been just another honor in my career to um, participate in and then doing a lot of team development. And you and I have both been chief nursing officers for a very long time. And, you know, I'm just going to let you in on one of the things that sort of haunts me a little bit. I wish as a CNO, I was more assertive and adamant when I asked to get development for aspiring nurse leaders or existing nurse leaders. And sometimes we ran into budgetary constraints. I wish that I didn't let that go so easily because I feel like there was an opportunity that I should have pushed on harder to get people development. How do you handle those kinds of of thoughts and issues? And, And maybe you've never experienced it. Oh my gosh, I think, I, I don't know one chief nurse who's not experienced uh, that situation, and I'm so glad you said that. First and foremost, you know, I'm going to get on my soapbox, Bonnie, I hope you don't mind. <laughs> First and foremost, I believe that one of the key relationships for a chief nurse is the chief financial officer. You know, it is imperative right now that budgeting and forecasting of the budget is done. We know that. We still have yet to realize the financial toll of COVID. But through my own research, um, I did a national study about nine months ago, and one of the top three concerns of nurse leaders nationwide is leadership development. And you, I loved how you framed your concern that you were put into situations where 
you know, maybe you didn't push hard enough. I'm paraphrasing here, Bonnie, sorry. Um, but maybe you didn't push hard enough or have that voice. And I spend a significant amount of time helping nurse leaders grow their confidence. And we do that through them really understanding and knowing their values so that they have their voice, taking their values to become their leadership voice. And part of the research I found was number one, that nurse leaders felt that they didn't have a voice. So we helped them find that. And number two, we found that their biggest, one of the top three frustrations was a gap in leadership development. So you see how those two are really, really connected. And when you look at post-COVID recovery, leadership development, whether it's in healthcare or in business, it's agnostic of industry leadership development should be an imperative, not a want to do, not a let's find the money if we have it. It is an imperative for organizations to be successful going forward. You know, I think that that is an incredibly strong point because we bring people on as leaders or we promote people as leaders and we often don't give them the tools or don't help them be successful. And ultimately, the price that we all pay is spread through the entire organization, right? And they want to do their best. But if they don't have the skills or the competencies or the confidence, it's our duty to help them get there. And, and I feel as though it isn't just the CNOs who see that, but we need to bring along others to understand the importance of that. So we do fund it and we make those things important enough that they, they're accomplished, that they are imperatives and that we do them. A hundred percent. And, you know, somehow, somehow, um, and I include myself in what I'm going to say, I hope it's not too provocative. Somehow we have failed as the nursing profession in having those successful conversations because the literature is 30 years long, right? Three decades long about the link of connection of nursing care and nursing leadership to patient outcomes. The link is there, whether it's, you know, when nurses are practicing at their highest level and that is completely dependent on the quality of the nurse leader, right? So the nurse leader advocating for resources, the nurse leader making sure that their teams are educated and trained and are certified. So that link is strong. It might be in, in better mortality rates, higher patient satisfaction scores, improved productivity, improved engagement, improved patient satisfaction. I could go on forever. I like to describe it as the question's been asked for 30 years and it's been answered for 30 years, but we somehow have not gone the next step in quantifying it and getting it in front of our CFOs and our CEOs. And when you are equipped with that whole story, you know, a story is great. Nurse leaders are important. Yay, yay. Leadership development is important for any hospital leader. You could be leading respiratory therapy or leading physical therapy, critical, critical leadership roles. But if you tell a story that it's important, that's great. It's impactful. But a story with data is even better. And, and that's where I'm spending a lot of my time right now. Well, I think that's a really smart way to address this. And, you know, like, look, just among us girls, 
nurses are leaving the profession at an accelerated rate. And some of that has been sped up as a result of COVID, right? We've seen two studies that have come out this year, one in January, I uh, believe it was done by nurse grid, 9,500 nurses, about 25% of nurses plan to leave the bedside. Yep. That was validated by the ANA. They released a study in the end of February, beginning of March, and essentially they found that within the next six months, 18% plan to leave the bedside. So whether the answer is 18 or the answer is 25, that's a lot of nurses. It's a lot of how nurses. Do we how do we turn this around? What are the things that you think we need to do as not only nurse leaders, because it isn't just our responsibility, right. it's all leaders. So what do we need to do to stop that? Well, I, I, I love the question. I hate the subject, right? So if I had a magic wand, and this is what I'm um, sharing with colleagues and hospital leaders, is this is all about engagement. Engagement looks a little differently right now in post-COVID recovery, as I call it. You know, within, by the year 2025, the workforce is going to be predominantly millennial workers, not just millennial uh, nurses, as you say, millennial in any discipline. And we have to make sure we know what drives them and motivates them. And we have to stop the bleeding or curtail the exit of nursing. One, you know, I I value Bonnie just as an aside. I value if nurses are going to leave the bedside, I'm really happy and proud that nursing as a profession has so many more opportunities than it did 20 years ago. You know, you can go into tech, you could go into software, you could go to into medical device, but we need nurses at the bedside. So what do we do as a, a system, as a discipline? And engagement is critical. And recently I've been, um, we have a framework at Inspire Nurse Leaders, and I'm so excited. We just found out will be published in Nurse Leader Journal in August about the framework that we're focusing on. And if you are going to engage and stop nurses from leaving the bedside, you have to do a few things. So I'm going to throw a few things out there if you don't mind. So the days of command and control are over. Now, I don't know if it ever was effective. I just think different generations responded to it differently. But bosses or leaders, whether you're the CEO, COO, or a leader of any group of people, has to change your mindset from a boss to a coach. Our newer workforce, our newer workforce really wants people who are going to grow them and invest in them and teach them in real time. So going from your mindset that I'm these people's boss to I'm coaching and growing people that I influence and that they're going to make a difference. It's a very different mindset. And I, I there's two other focus areas that it's kind of like dusting off things that have been around for a couple of decades. But as a nurse leader and as a chief nurse, now this is specific to nursing. Um, as a chief nurse, I've always had these things in place, but they kind of lost priority. So I, when I preach this, I can really speak knowledgeably about it, that there are two things that exist at many hospitals, not all. Shared leadership or shared governance and the clinical ladder or clinical advancement programs. Those two things have got to be dusted off. 
given a vitamin shot or innovated for this current workforce. And I had the honor of talking to three or four practicing um, current chief nurses in February and early March, and three or four of their frontline nurses. And they so beautifully articulated um, the value of a relevant um, and updated shared leadership program. So it's one that focuses on the current worker's purpose. What's your purpose? Why did you become a nurse? Let's reconnect to that. And what purpose can you bring every day? What are you contributing to? And then the clinical ladder to be really innovative. Lots of hospitals have clinical ladders that are established on legacy metrics and and time timed accomplishments. You know, what I used to think was appropriate for experience and expertise might not be today's workers or today's professional nurses definition of how long it takes to accomplish certain things, but also to want to do something different and new. And how awesome it would be to have a clinical advancement program that looks at the organization across the continuum, to post-acute, to outpatient, not just strictly inpatient focus. You know, I think those are awesome because you just hit on something in that Mm -hmm. there are a lot of systems that do work across the continuum. Yes. So it doesn't just have to be a clinical ladder that focuses on the hospital, which is traditionally how we've done some of that work. A hundred percent. And I think about specifically, Bonnie, some of my own team that I've had in the past that have come to me, you know, wanting advice, whether it was career advice or just saying, Lori, I love what I'm doing. I love the department or service line that I'm leading, but I'm really interested in X and Y. One of them, which makes me smile just thinking about her, had a desire to get into informatics. Um, She knew she liked it. She knew I had put her on some projects because she showed an interest in it. And she just, she excelled at it and really brought a different perspective to the IT team and actual the financial side, um, who was helping us with a big um, EMR rollout. And she ended up going on to getting her doctorate in informatics and, and leading that whole area of the hospital. And did I lose her inpatient? Yes, but look at what the hospital gained. And I think that as nurse leaders, for us to look broadly at the longer term contribution individual nurses can make in it might be a different practice setting and that's okay too. And that's a win, right? Yes. So we have to learn to change our frame of reference on that. Correct. Correct. You know, I like what you were talking about earlier as we kind of spent a second or two there on millennials. So we know in 2016, the nursing workforce flipped from a boomer heavy to a millennial heavy workforce, right? Those poor Xers, we're kind of sandwiched right in the middle there, being much smaller than either of the other cohorts. Now that it's a millennial heavy workforce, what you were saying is that the leaders are going to become millennial heavy as well. One of the things that we know about millennials and even much more so about our Zier friends is that they vote with their feet. So when they hear or see or experience something at work that they don't like, if not changed, they will leave. And I I think that is a um, something 
very different for all of us. You know, we talk about loyalty, right? And loyalty looks a lot different these days. And maybe the loyalty is not to an organization, but it's to a specialty and it's to our profession. So when I think about, um, I don't know if I'm just trying to make myself feel better, Bonnie, um, being in the, you know, Xer, I'm kind of on the border. I'm going to, going to confess something here. I'm on the very, very border one year between Boomer and, and Xer. Um, so I, you know, I think about loyalty to the profession. So that makes me feel better. But when they vote with their feet, I think this brings up a lot of things for me. You know, organizations, especially legacy and bureaucratic heavy organizations, are not nimble. Thereby making change, it takes longer. So nurse leaders' responsiveness to the Zers is essential. You can't you can't change the organization very quickly, but you certainly can be responsive. You certainly can develop relationships and include them in the conversation of the change, what it looks like and how long it's going to take. I think our ability or the imperative is to us for us to be more responsive to them. Well, and I, I think that there are some very unique attributes, and I don't know that they're bad, nor do I know that they're good. They just are what they are. For example, Zers will use social media to help emphasize their point. And we saw that, if you recall, back at the start of the pandemic, which seems like forever ago, yes. but literally a year ago, when there was not enough adequate, uh, when there wasn't adequate PPE, they, a lot of nurses and physicians reached out on social media. And you recall that some organizations actually clamped down on that and put in place uh, policies that said, if you do things like that, we could potentially terminate you. But younger nurses continue to do it because for them, that is their channel to communicate. So I think it's going to be interesting how we learn to collaborate and partner and work together to solve some of these challenges. Well, I, I agree completely. And I think that leaders and organizations, they have to adapt because this newer, the newest, youngest generation have grown up with screens. They've had, a, they were handed a phone by their parent to show them whatever, whether it was a video to entertain them, to teach them. They have known no other way. So it's not, um, it's not a big step for them. It's not as risky to them as it is to the older generation. So I think, you know, I think we'll likely meet somewhere in the middle or organizations have to adapt. And then the younger generation needs to learn, I guess, responsibility in terms of healthcare, uh, privacy, things like that. You know, but I think that the more vocal and bold voices about what is needed to protect us as frontline caregivers, whether it's the nurse, the respiratory therapist, whether the physician, there were gaps and there were mistakes and there were things that were not okay. And th that's the positive side of speaking out. But, um, you know, we all have to figure out the right compromise and how to deliver the message correctly and how we respond to that message. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think it is going to take a lot of compromise on both parts. We cannot expect that they will conform to the norms that have been established over the last 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, because I don't think those norms work anymore. I, I don't either. And I think that for healthcare leaders, also leveraging social media. Yes, the younger generation will use it to be a voice, but I think that current leaders, and I see it, I see the activity on LinkedIn and Twitter um, increasing, um, but I think we have to get more confident and bold about how we use our voice on social media. So we can really learn a lot from them, honestly. So let's talk a little bit about um, social media and what you see coming down the road or, or the future of leaders. How do we learn new skills and what are the competencies that we need to have to be successful? Oh, my God, that is a great question. So I think that one of my, my one of my mantras is for leadership. Um, and, you know, Bonnie, I teach leadership. I probably spend 75 percent of my time teaching nurse and hospital leadership, but I also teach leadership agnostic of discipline. Because when you look at the true aspects of leadership, it, it it's really a human context. It's not an organization or a discipline context. And one of my mantras is leaders, the best leaders are the best learners, all right? So I think that if people are uncomfortable with social media, um, and social media can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But if you're uncomfortable with it, face your fears, man. Jump right on in. You know, I'm I'm another confession. I don't know what it is, but I'm making another confession here. I'm still not that comfortable on Twitter, Bonnie. And I just <laughs> I I need to learn. I need to spend some time with my son, actually. But um, the I'm still not that comfortable. I'm still still learning what's most effective. Um, but I also spend a lot of time with nurse leaders, CNOs and directors and things about what their communication strategy looks like, because I think social media and, and a strategy is absolutely essential for leaders. You know, once you develop your values, once you turn that value into a vision, you can really, really have an intentional intentional approach to your communication and social media because you could there is so much we're all inundated every day with information but what are you saying and if you really want to make a difference and influence your team and influencing the profession as a whole that intentionality about communication social media is just a vehicle you know so i think there needs to be uh, uh, spent some time tying it all together well, and I think that's an incredibly important point because the future of leadership is going to be very much integrated with not only sort of our work persona, but also our personal persona and our public persona. And these pieces become ubiquitous. They blend. So the more savvy we are as communicators and consumers and users of social media that actually can help us quite a bit with our leadership skill set. Totally. And, and, you know, um, Bonnie, I'd love all the work you do with innovation. And you and I have chatted in the recent past about your hackathon work. It's just so inspiring. 
Um, I'm actually, when you talked about, you know, that it's all blending, um, personal and professionals becoming ubiquitous, you know, I'm working with a artificial intelligence software company right now on figuring out how to weight a candidate, right? They really, really want to help hospitals select the best person for the job, right? There's a lot of qualifications. And if you look at nursing or any other healthcare discipline, there's licensure, there's years of experience, a lot of different data inputs, if you will. And one of the things they're looking at, we're just exploring it right now, is what your digital footprint looks like, right? So if you have a social media or say a LinkedIn profile, what does it say about you? What are you saying and how does that match with the mission, vision, and values possibly of your next organization or employment? It's very interesting to think about that. Yeah, and that has evolved quite a bit. I do recall back to the days of being a CNO when our recruiters would go on Facebook and see if <laughs> they could, you know, find pictures of nurses doing shots or on a booze cruise. And that seemed really sophisticated at the time. And it's really evolved and it's really changed into looking at your whole digital uh, footprint and what you're saying and doing. And social media can absolutely be a force for good. And I think this is where nurse leaders and nurses can influence and inspire by leading through some of that communication work. And through COVID, we've learned that it's also a tremendous opportunity for education and to convey accurate information and counteract misinformation. Yeah, and that's, you know, one of the big struggles right now with vaccine education, but I think it's um, it's been some recently written things about how nurses are caught in the middle. I don't like to say caught in the middle, they're caught at the bedside, whether that bedside is inpatient or on an emergency room stretch at an, the bedside of an emergency room stretcher on the cl- at a clinic, or even as an advice nurse, we're caught in that space of managing misinformation. And it it puts a lot of responsibility on the individual nurse um, to be educated. And it goes back to our responsibility when we all first became licensed, when we get a registered nurse license in any state, we're responsible for staying on top of our practice. Um, But right now it it is a huge responsibility and a heavy load to stay on top of all the misinformation that is out there, whether it's about how, you know, COVID is spread or how uh, contagious it is. And now with how safe and effective the vaccines are. I literally just got called this morning from a relative because, you know, when you're the only nurse in the family about how now they're all of a sudden they're not believing in the effectiveness of a certain vaccine because they heard it from someone who read something on Twitter. And just, we all spend a lot of time dispelling that misinformation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it has been so great talking to you today and really starting to think about what is the future of leadership look like in healthcare and in nursing. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us today on Healthcare Soothsayers. Really, really my pleasure, Bonnie. And uh, maybe you'll have me back one of these days. It'd be a lot of fun. Absolutely. It would be fun. Totally agree. 
So be sure to check out the show notes for this show to find Lori's contact info and to learn more about her work. And thanks again for being with us today. Thanks so much for listening to Healthcare Soothsayers. I really do appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and share it with your network. That is how we grow and learn. If you have ideas for show topics or guests, please reach out to me directly at ThoughtLeaderRN on Twitter. For information about this show or any of the others in the Touchpoint Media Network, please check them out at touchpoint.health.